Last time on Dungeon Dads, uh, well, I suppose we won a fight, but uh, I got turned to stone. I lost my spear. I lost my damn hand. Doesn't really feel like we we won very much, but well, that tends to be the way most of our victories go. Fellas, you ready to do this thing again? Oh Let's yeah, do it. I'm ready if you are. It's time for Dungeon Dads, baby. <laughs> All right. He will rise. He will fall. Oh, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Woo-hoo. First of all, I want to say I'm loving this new artwork, and thank you to everybody who keeps on giving us those fives and scribes and for engaging with us on the various social pro- platforms. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Um, we also haven't called it out recently, but I just want to say, man, theme song still slaps. That what yeah, the kids say these days? It slaps. It's, yeah, it, it slaps dabs. that ass. It dabs. <laughs> that was yeah. that was a, that was that was one of our great little reviews. Somebody said it slaps. We appreciated it. it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> if you're a Patreon subscriber, you know, based on the last bonus episode, that some of what happened la- last time is a little bit controversial. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get right back to it uh, in a moment. But first, let's meet the cast. Hello, everybody. I am uh, Tom Blaylock. I'm your DM. And I'm joined by the finest D&D fathers who are also currently on this podcast. <laughs> uh, of the first, ones on this podcast. Of the ones the on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Looking around the room, I can tell that you are the most beautiful girl in the room. First, he's some of your favorites. He's playing the murderous warlock with a heart of gold. The, I guess you had to be there half elf. We have Timmy, the V8 muscle car. Well, hello. (laughs) That's quite the introduction. Wow. Season two, baby. New season, new commitment to quality introduction. I guess. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we'll have to work on that. Maybe. I don't know. As I said it, I felt embarrassed. So, (laughs) And some other people's favorite, playing Abel Snowflower, the number one Tempest iconoclast, the wrinkled sack of steel, the curmudgeon who's so happy to talk to you and share a cup of nut tea from a craggy old bark bowl, Sammy, the earnest movie quote machine, Frank. Hey, hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And, And finally... For those of you who haven't heard your favorite character named, playing Iona Silhavine, the, <laughs> right, the, rightful, the rightful heir of Montaire, willing to get dirty for a minute, but only for a minute. He's going to make a pocket. Speaking of pockets, is that a magic chest in there, or do you need to see a urologist? <laughs> I'm sorry. When I wrote it, it was better. <laughs> Wow. Jesus. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Johnny Smooth and Low Down Watson. Oh, yeah, baby. That was a nice Smooth intro right there. Down. I loved that. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> All right. Before we get started, here's what you need to know. After helping Faust enter the blade, launching an epic extraplanar showdown in, in a place where time passes differently than here in the Breen, the dads completed a ritual that grew a tree, inadvertently setting free thousands of spirits that had been collected and trapped inside Pariso and Competent. They collected gifts from the tree uh, that grew on the palisades of Lake Spire Pass, and they reluctantly left that tree thinking that they might be damning the whole valley, only to see that the spectral that a spectral tower rose from that tree. It was only one of eight that was stretching into the sky, and one of those towers grew up from the halfling city of Lakeshire, which was on fire and had been sealed off. Beaten, downtrodden, tired, and feeling kind of guilty that maybe they had wrought all this... <laughs> They arrived on the outskirts of Lake and Hearth to find Despo, Florn, Rollo, and the remaining human soldiers embroiled in a battle with Gith and Basilisk that were teleporting into the War Wagon's teleporting circle. They should have been easy to dispatch. These were CR rating like one each people here, guys. I don't actually know what happened, but instead, Abel was turned real hard, and he said he was both light as a feather and stiff as a board, and he lost a shield hand. Uh, he lost Tempest's prick, so that was pretty bad. This forced them to travel to an NPC at least three episodes sooner than I was ready for them to meet this particular NPC. <laughs> um, she's known as the Pyromancer. Her name is Helspeth Valgstaff, and she is one of the last Moonbrook Circle of Mages. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit this this week. 115 years ago, she had been married to the head of the Lake and Hearth Ag Co-op, the leader of that, and she has a soft spot for Rolo. And so this old elven witch traded her help turning Abel back to flesh for Jonas's Grigley spellbook, Rollo's horse, which she promptly butchered, and Filnir's emeralds that uh, silence whatever they touch. She ripped the book apart, affixed it to the wall of her shack with a dirty knife, and the dads now almost whole convinced her to return with them to the human settlement to prepare for whatever comes next. I want to remind you all, just because this sometimes gets lost in translation, that she told you that based on the spectral towers that the octopus god Ehi has returned, I think you all got a sense that she knows more about the Breen than anyone you've met so far. Any questions before we get into it? So many. Who do we have to kill and how soon? <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of show, Timmy. When, Timmy V8 muscle car. <laughs> when do we get a long rest? Yeah, um, has time has time passed? She was setting fire to the city, I think, when we left, right? Yeah. I mean, she was uh she was giving she 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 touched uh she touched Jonas's hand, and I think she kind of made his skin go on fire a little bit. Let me let, – let, let's let's get to the long rest. Is that okay? Let's let's get into the lake, lake and hearth gates and get you to a long rest. Is that all right? Okay. Uh, sure. Okay. Well, do we need to – do we need to talk this lady down or are we, we going to observe? Well, you, you tell me. Do you want to what – what do you – what do you think is going to happen? I'm ready to observe. Okay. The situation quickly de-escalates. <laughs> <laughs> Florin Gershon shakes her hand and says, Lady, you're always welcome here in Lake and Hearth. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for coming with the with the gentleman here. She nods her head and says, uh, Florin, you've been you've been collecting many of my books. I really wish you would uh let me let me have them. Uh, oh lady, 
you, you know, I'm also learning from them, and you know, there could be there's enough there's there's enough books for 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 two uh, you know master wizards in the Breen Valley. Oh, you are no master wizard, but I do like your gumption," she says. Well, and and madam, you you said you said that you and Florn were square. We we are we are we are square. Um, I I I still have some lessons that I'd like to teach him. Um, as as I understand, you have been teaching him. I've I've, I've heard stories of the of the duel, <laughs> of 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 the duel in the square. Oh, that that was that was just we were we were just messing about. I... Oh, <laughs> not the way I heard the song. How did it go? Um, um, in the square. In the square, Jonas struck Flon Gershon down. He killed him dead, and then he waved and brought the boy back to life. Isn't that what your minstrel sings? What? My- well, that's clearly not true. But that's not. Ionis <laughs> <laughs> knows not how to bring someone back from the dead. Well, that's not what they say in the bars and the taverns. Well, obviously, I mean, as as you should well know, there, there's what they sing, and there's also the truth. And I would, I would never hurt this boy. Well, that's very nice, Florin. I want, I want the monarch suite in the tavern, please. Oh, oh, yes, yes, of course. And so he shows her there, and. Uh, you see uh, a, a woman come out from the hunters, the hunters co-op, um, and she approaches you and says, um, "Since you, since you've all left, uh, we have been preparing some space for you. Uh, would you like, would you like me to take you to your, to your, your quarters, gentlemen?" I would like nothing more. Before, before I do that, I need to, uh, I need to take a trip into the woods with my, with my young friend here. Um, who, who, who is your, who are you talking about, Jonas? Florn. <laughs> He's showing the lady to the, to the, uh, monarch suite, uh, but he will be, he, he will be with you forthwith. All right. Maybe he can come knock on your door in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a very large windmill, um, that no longer powers the wheat crushing mill below in in town and the hunter takes you to the windmill and she opens up the door and she gives you each uh this it's a small triangular stone and she says just place it right here it's a special lock that florin that florin cast for you in particular no one else may enter this this space other than you and she you know she tries to open it herself she shows you she pushes the triangle into this like small drawn triangle on the on the, the on the windmill and and she says uh, the password that you must say when you and you alone are holding it is Florin is my leader and and she gives it to you Abel and she says uh, you, you you try it won't work for me it it only works for you Florin is my leader. What looked like a very small door is actually a double height, double door that sort of swings out toward you uh, when you do this, even though the door, it's like everything around the door is also swinging out. So it's like you didn't see that there were hinges uh, at the at one of these corners of the windmill. It's like basically made into an octagon, the windmill, the base of the windmill. And so it's two sides of the octagon completely sort of open up for you to go inside. You know, it's when you like somebody, even the annoying things they do are kind of cute. 
<laughs> when you, I, I assume you're going to go in, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so when you first walk in, uh, there is a fully stocked kitchen that is just right there, complete with a um, uh, a, a wood burning oven. And she says, oh, Florin took care of this. Uh, that fire is always going. No need to, to feed it. Uh, it also keeps you warm. Uh, Filnir, apparently it is always uh, cooking right at 425 degrees. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank yes. you. Uh, yes. And and you'll see that we have taken uh, great, great strides to make sure all of your cooking supplies are here. And she picks up – she has no idea what this thing is. It's it's steel and it, it is like a long – it's a long steel kind of like a skewer. And then on the end of it, it has this thing that kind of looks like a, like a, like a small cookie cutter. And she says, I have no idea what this is for. Uh, but Florence said, "You must have it. We we have we have bets going down on at the tavern. What is it used for?" Oh, put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> that was the that was the intent. <laughs> no, that was out of character. Uh, um, it, it is in fact for shaping the puff pastries to make sure that they uh, all are equivalent size. I, one of us thought it was for pushing the cream inside. That's uh, what. What do you use to push the cream inside? Is it this thing? And she holds up uh, um, something that's sort of – it's flat. It looks like an iron, but it does have many uh, – several holes in it that look like you know things could be poured in it. But she has no idea what this thing is. It, is this – what is this used for if it's not for pushing cream into the pastry? How many people have you asked that question to? What do you use to push the cream inside? Uh, it's for browning. <laughs> is that something you're just going around asking people willy-nilly? I, I, we're very excited. I, I say that because I use my willy nilly. <laughs> well, so that's very, that's very good. Um, Abel, sir. Uh, the question that I have, because we are all so excited. We heard someone who trained as a chef is moving into town. Um, so I, I know you are prized as a warrior, but you will be prized here even greater for your cooking prowess. You can look around the town. You see that there are many warriors already here, but there are no chefs. Well, perhaps I can educate several people so more of you can uh, delight your senses. Well, you are a delight. Just beyond the kitchen, there is a a hammock that is stretched out. There, it's It's tied off to two sides of the inside of the windmill. There is on the wall surrounding it on the inside. It's just bark it's 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 almost like someone has stripped off the bark from from a uh from like a maple and just covered that side so if one would were to lay in the hammock you could have your hand against the wall the bark wall and sort of push yourself and swing a bit um and you see that there are three tidily pressed uh loincloths that are hanging from the Hanging from a, a hook on the wall, Abel. They seem to uh, know you better than we do. Perhaps <laughs> it is my uh, preferred mode of relaxation. I, I don't remember uh, informing anybody of this, but who knows? Maybe word gets around. Yeah. And uh, and then she she goes to the floor and she lifts up this latch and it and it opens up to a like a a root cellar. 
and when when the when the root cellar door opens, blue mystical lights sort of come on and light the way down into the basement. And she says, she says, it's the entire library of Florin Gershon. Uh, you have to go down underground, and this actually links up to his uh, his his home. And he has linked it so that you can go there anytime you would like, uh, Sir Jonas. Well, that that is quite amazing. Yes. Um, and the other good thing is, if anyone ever sets the windmill on fire, you can exit underground uh, and leave out of Florence Florence home. That is also amazing. Wow, he's really thought this out. Um, is is the windmill in? danger currently uh no uh not right now it is the it is the third highest uh point in town though and so we thought maybe well here let me show you and there's a there's a small stair that sort of snakes up when i say small i mean it goes on the out like on the on the wall of the windmill up and it's only about a foot and a half like 18 inches wide each step as it sort of comes comes up to the top and uh, if you follow her up, you'll see a sleeping room that is cut into four. So there's four beds up top and uh, there's a ladder that goes to the top. And she points up and says, it's not a wizard tower. Uh, but Florence says, uh, when you cast from up there, um, it will help you sort of concentrate your magical energy. And he says he can double or even triple the distance on his on his uh, uh, on his best spells from from the tower there. Abel, we're home. Fellas, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've had a hell of a day. <laughs> yeah, are you still bleeding? Like, what's what, what what's left over after you lose your hand as a stone for as stone? Well, I would assume that it just comes back as flesh. As flesh, but like healed over. I think over I just like have a, a nub. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would yeah. be a question for the pyromancer. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's what happens. That's not, that sounds that sounds right. <laughs> sounds right. Uh, I want to get a little bit drunk and then fall asleep. That sounds delightful. Not real drunk, just a little bit drunk and then fall asleep. I, I, I will, I will fetch you some some ale. That's all we have. That'll do. <laughs> I pr- I pray God that will do. <laughs> So so she leaves and she she comes back quickly with ale. She says, "You won't be disturbed if uh, if you would like to talk to Florin Iona, sir. He 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 will be in his library uh, momentarily." Filnir Hesbeth said that she would very much like to take dinner with the three of you. Very well. Um, I will see what I can prepare. Oh. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, I was going to offer to get some fish and stale bread from the from the tavern, but uh, but it would be it would be very very lovely. There's 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 some meat in the meat locker there, um, and do you have any beet juice? Just plenty of beet juice. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I do imagine Abel will sleep for a while. So, um, what time is it? Right now. Uh, it's about three three o'clock in the afternoon. So probably <laughs> fellas, I'm I'm calling it a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know, with all three of us might happen to have to happen tomorrow. I mean I could I could take a nap, I suppose. I mean she did 
in a way, bring me back from the dead. It would be sort of rude to say, no, I don't want to have dinner with you. I just want to get drunk and go to bed. Well, but, how about uh, this? Uh, Abel, have your ale. Uh, we will have one with you. You can pass out for a number of hours. We'll wake you to eat, and then you can sleep some more. Excellent. Very well. All right. Um, so, Phil, you're going to start. You're going to start cooking. I take it. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. And we'll make a we'll make a toast or two. You know, we'll. I'm going to start drinking. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else really chaps me? I didn't even really want that spear in the first place. Now that it's gone, not only do I feel a sense of loss, but also like I'm responsible for anything bad that that character does with it now. And I didn't even want to pick that thing up to begin with. I tell you. And another thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm <laughs> da, sitting da, there listening da. intently. <laughs> yeah. You know what you ought to be doing, Jonas? You ought to be uh, adjusting his shield to figure out how he can uh, mount it onto his nub uh, and still and still use it. Um, yeah, I'm assuming I can't do any like two-handed attacks anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. Hey, Jonas, can you attach the mage hand that you can cast to Abel's arm somehow? <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> maybe, maybe with a few, uh, maybe with a little bit of practice, maybe we can get something like that going. Perhaps there's a magical, maybe it's a code uh, word manipulation you can do. I don't know. Well, and you know what else? That was my preferred hand. <laughs> the shield hand was your preferred hand. Uh, T M I, I believe, is the expression. Preferred. <laughs> not, not for all things. You, I mean, you mind you. <laughs> I, I should hope not. That's devastating. But I'm just I'm just gonna say there's a, a quite a few things I'm gonna have to relearn. I imagine. And and <laughs> a lot of things I wouldn't want I would want Jonas's mage hand to stay far away from. <laughs> oh man! Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, very well. I'm off to see what uh, proteins we have here. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I almost went I almost went for it and then I hesitated and then the moment passed. <laughs> you got some venison and some pork in there. I'm gonna go uh, see what proteins I have over here. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> and and you see Abel uh, in the hammock rediscovering himself. <laughs> <laughs> His, his first sort of, re-lesson. Yeah. Does it yeah. feel like it's somebody else? <laughs> oh, God, it feels like I'm, I'm prodding at myself with a nub. <laughs> we have gone off the rails, everybody. Are we cutting out? Are I, we cutting all of this out? <laughs> it's a family show. It's called a dungeon dance. You know what I mean? Um, so it's. So, Go ahead, John. Sorry. As I was going to say, while 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 uh, while Phil is uh, looking for things to cook and prepare, and Abel's uh, you know off doing whatever, um, I'll climb down the uh, I'll climb down the ladder into the basement. As you're going down there, you just hear in the distance and another. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> As you walk down, every single every ten feet or so, there's another one of these magic lights. As you get in its range, it pops on, and the one behind you pops off so it's sort of this wave of light as you walk and it's like 150 feet from 
from the windmill until you get to the stairs heading back up. You see that the there's a hatch that's open and you just see warm firelight in this in this space. And I'm assuming you're going to go up into it. Yeah, I'm going to go up into it. There are rugs that clearly had been wall tapestries in in a castle or uh, some other sort of noble space that he has just laid on the floor. And when you emerge from the tunnel, uh, you hear him say, oh, shoes, 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 please. Ionis, shoes off. Take them off. All right. All right. Yes. I'll take them off. He has a large couch, I guess is the best way to call it. It's a board that has been mounted between two tree stumps, but it's just covered in furs. You know, he's laying down there, like in repose, reading a book, and he holds it up and says, did you did you know that they that they invented ice magic in Neverwinter? In Neverwinter, you say? That, that's the, apparently. I mean, it's I've never been to Farron, but it's supposed to be really really cold uh, f- further north. I, why why would they? Well, I don't understand why they would not have. Uh, why, why wouldn't it be someone else? Like why why Neverwinter? I I I do not know. I, that is that seems kind of strange. I've always thought the name of that city was. Also quite strange. Is it never winter there? Like, what is that? And it seems like it wouldn't be cold at all. Right, right. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's why they invented the ice magic. Maybe it was, it's not cold there, so they had to invent ways to be cold. Oh, that's not what it says in this book at all. Well, how about, uh, how about you let me borrow that book? <laughs> I'd love to read it sometime. He flips it to you and he says, you know, I, I, I really, I tried to find a spell in here. The problem with all these books is that, you know, wizards, they write them. And then it's like, you know, it's like, they don't tell you the real stuff. They don't tell you how to actually cast their spells. Well, uh, from what I've, from what I've discovered, it's, it's really up to each individual wizard on how you cast a spell. There's a general idea, but each wizard has their way of of doing it. If if you know what I mean, even 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 you yourself, you you have different names and you have different ways of going about it. Yeah, I I, I mean I'm self taught, uh, so everything I have comes to me uh, either naturally. I'm sure you understand that, or I read these stupid books and I think you know he said he he said he wiggled his fingers uh, in a wave. And then, and then he said these words, and then he did it. But I bet he did this other thing. And he's like, "Really, really, Ionis, I see it in my mind, and then I make it happen." Is that how it works for you? Um, it 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 does. But but after after careful study for me, you you truly are quite a prodigy. Thank you. I will. I will have to admit that you you you're a little rough around the edges, and you could use a little uh, refinement. But but I'm impressed that you've been able to get this far on your own. He points back to his library. He says, "You know, there are lots of there are lots of books here that are of magic, about magic." But and he holds up a Grigley book, and he says, "This is the one that's the most interesting to me because the text changes every time I read it." And how far are you able to get in that book? I just keep reading, and it just keeps saying new things. Can I can I see it? Not sure. He passes it to you. I open it. You see words. What is the first book of magic that you ever read, Jonas? Um the the uh sentient weapons and expeditions retreat. <laughs> the first line is it it kind of speaks to you in your mind as you read it and it says 
Everything you've ever learned about sentient weapons and expedition retreat is wrong. If you've want to have your mind blown, you've come to the right book. <laughs> and 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 I'm telling you, you are just compelled to read this thing. Uh, and you just keep reading. I need to give you. I need you to give me a, a, a wisdom saving throw. It's fine. It's fine. No big deal. No, it's fine. It's not. I mean, it's not going to hurt you. It's fine. Hey, hey, it's hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you just fine. might be. You just might be late to dinner. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. All right. Thirteen. You get to the end of a chapter that is entirely about channeling magical energy into your muscles, so like to make you physically stronger. Mm. Um, and you kind of get the sense that like. You could stop if you wanted to right now, but you probably don't want to. But you could if you wanted to, right? Right this moment. <laughs> I, I I will force myself to stop. Okay, uh, Florence says, see, "See what I mean? It's been an hour and a half, man. That that, that book is is insane. Close it, open it back up. Just read the first line now. Okay. <laughs> I close it and I open it back up. <laughs> All right." What was the second book of magic you ever read? (laughs) Uh, uh, um, Curiosities of the Dryad and the Satyr. Okay. So you want to know about the Fae? So you want to know about how magic works in the Fae wild? I'm about to blow your mind. If you want to have your mind blown, you've come to the right place. And you start to read, and it, the first thing it is is it's, it's explaining to you how you have to have your mind in order to cast phantasmal force. And another hour disappears, and Florin sort of shakes you loose and says, "That's enough for you. <laughs> That's enough for you. It's too much. It's too much, man." <laughs> damn it! And, damn it! And, and he puts it on the shelf, and uh, he wraps a chain around it, and he says, "He says, without me here, no one enter. The book is sealed." And he touches it, and you see that, like, it becomes a brick. Oh, wow. And he puts it back on the shelf. And he says, little trick I learned from, uh, from a gnome. Is this a- hey, something smells really good. Are you guys going to eat? Is this a deep gnome? <laughs> <laughs> yes, a sferf nerblin. Sferf neblin. Sferf neblin. Uh, a sferf nerblin, I, I believe. But it's fine. It's fine. You say things differently. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, you were asking about dinner. We are cooking. Filnir is cooking. We are we are supposed to have dinner soon. I s- was seeking you out because I I need your help. Anything. Um. I t- I put my sack down and I pull out uh some incense and I burn it and uh, I start to kind of set up a little ritual area. And as I'm doing that, I say, um, I made uh I made a pact with a very powerful celestial. This celestial comes to me in the form of a mongoose named Saber. The pact, the pact was that I could use his abilities, uh, but if he were ever to be killed, I needed to bring the head of the one that killed him to the ritual in order to bring him back. What? 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 I, I, I've been... Ever since I've met you, I've been trying to form a strong bond relationship with you in order to see if I could find a way around this. I have been able to bring him back if I bring the person who killed him back with me and they were extremely apologetic. Extremely apologetic. 
what, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Whatever I, you want me I, to look, do, I'll I do just it. need to do the ritual. And when I get to your part, I need you to say, Saber, I am so, so very sorry. The next time you see me, you may bite me. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. Um, uh, I was going to tell you, um, Hair Beak uh, was thinking about biting you. <laughs> uh, and that's all. I mean, there's no deal or anything like that. I just want to let you know, Hair Beak is probably going to peck at you. I, I mean, the bird touches me and I'm going to kill the bird. There doesn't seem to be a problem. There's a problem with me. You have no problem. You're just being an ass. <laughs> Fair enough. Whatever whatever you need to do. Let's let's, let's summon this bird. I mean, bird, mongoose. Bird, bird. This is, this is my mongoose familiar. All right, here we go. And so I start to, uh, I, I start the summoning process and it, takes another <laughs> another hour <laughs> and he starts to cough and like try to get the the smell of the herbs like out of his nose and oh, <laughs> i don't see why you have to do it this way I, I can teach you how to cast this thing faster quite lad quite quite lad <laughs> all right we're at the part now you have to really sell it you have to really really sell it okay is he there no no you have to speak it's, it's florn speak now he won't come Saber. back until you do it. Saber, uh, I'm so, so, so sorry. You've got a human that would put you in a position that would get you killed like that. I, I'm sorry. I'm the one who did it to you. I'd probably do it again if I had to. Florin, wrap it up, wrap it up. But, I, but I'm very, very sorry. And I really do want you to be back with your friend, uh, Ionis. And? Uh, what else am I supposed to say? I'm so, so sorry. And when you come back, you may poop on my shoes. And when you come back, you may poop in my shoes. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, and bite me. <laughs> and, and hopefully with that, Saber comes back. Saber definitely comes back. Oh, Saber, oh, there you are, my little baby. Oh, there you go. Ow, 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 stop, stop, stop. Not, not me. It's, it's him. It's him. Bite him. Bite him. He holds his finger out to him and and it's amazing saber goes up like he's gonna bite florn and instead of biting him he starts to lick his finger and he curls up onto florn's lap (laughs) and and it's the weirdest thing jonas you have never seen saber be nice to anybody else and you do see that like He's on his lap and you do see him release a little bit of urine. But as you know, when a mongoose urinates while on a person, it's a sign of not dominance. What's the operative dominance? He's marking marking his territory. Submission. Submission. It's a it's a, it's a sign of submission. So your great celestial mongoose just offers his submission to Florn. And then he flips over onto his back and has his his legs and his little arms up, opens his mouth, and Florn just starts to tickle him on his uh on his little chin and he says he says i you know this is this is uh is this part of the ritual too i just i don't even answer my mouth is open (laughs) 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 i just say uh, florin picks him up and like he's all loose in his hand and he just hands him to you and he says i you know i i just don't really like 
like the fur, it just kind of smells bad. That's all. I just stare at him frowning and I say, are you coming to dinner or not? And I turn around and walk out. Yeah, I, I can't be there. Hespeth said it's just her. Fine, fine. Sorry. And I <laughs> close. What, if there's a door behind me, I close it. Fine. <laughs> fine, 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 fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you hear as you close the door, you hear uh, some experimentation and you, you hear Florin go, Mage Armor. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. Damn. How does he do it? Awesome. (laughs) Thank you for giving me that. I need something. (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, All right. So you guys, you guys going to go have dinner? Yep. And another thing. (laughs) Abel, Abel. Abel, I think you're talking in your sleep. It is um, it's it's time for dinner. Take a moment, maybe throw some water on your face. Have another sip of ale if you like. Hespeth should be here shortly. Yeah, the door doesn't knock. Nothing happens, and Hespeth just like pops into the windmill. Uh, she says, "He put very strong protections on this. I, very clever lad." Very, very clever lad. Evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Hesper. Uh, I feel worse than when I went to sleep. I think I'm a bad napper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been, what, two, three and, a, three and a half, four hours, right? Yeah. yeah. Now I just feel all weird and groggy. That's the worst. <laughs> Probably have trouble getting to sleep tonight. Oh, this was a mistake. <laughs> have some more so ale. It'll, it'll, it'll set you right. <laughs> Hespeth just sort of moves her hand about four feet off the ground and uh, you guys see a, sort of a foggy image of a table and then she flicks her finger and you can see it like becomes real and so the table is like sturdy there and she reaches over and pulls some chairs from around the room and she says I don't it's a little trick uh, it only lasts about an hour gentlemen we have some things to talk about In- indeed very well. Shall I serve dinner before, or do you want to talk first? Let's chat and chew. Very well. Uh, so, Filnir will bring over a giant, almost a cauldron of stew. It's like a venison stew that he made with some of the ale that they have and some of the local vegetables and roots. And then uh, there's fresh bread and also some rashers of bacon mm. on the side. That sounds good. Yeah. So, bring that over and be, and basically suggest uh, uh, you may either add the rashes to your stew or eat them separately as you prefer but they do work quite well together enjoy everyone and then sit down yeah hespeth just takes her hand and she like takes like 75 percent of the rashes and puts them in her bowl and then passes it over to the next person (laughs) to you jonas (laughs) (laughs) uh, thank you thank you very much (laughs) now we got a stew going baby It's hot, but she she licks it. She takes her spoon and licks it, and she says, it, it won't hurt your feelings if I warm it up a bit, uh, just a tad more, will it? Not at all. She sort of like moves her hand over it, and you see it starts to boil, and she takes her spoon in it, and it still continues to boil on her spoon, and she drinks this boiling stew straight off the spoon. She says, mm, that is very good. That is very good. The Moonbrook Elves would be very happy with you. Uh, well, thank you. I aim to please. Madam, if I if I might ask, what are you? That's a very odd question. <laughs> but uh, in, in what way? Well, you, you seem to have powers 
arcane powers, but but then you also your skin is quite hot, and and then you have cleric cleric knowledge. I'm just uh, I'm I'm wondering what your what you've studied, and, and not to mention how hot she is. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, human. Thank you. Um, that's a, that's a little little pyromancy joke there. <laughs> Yes, um, I'm, I'm so I'm, glad to be around people who appreciate my wordplay. It's very, it's very sweet. It's very, very sweet. I knew one such as you uh, several hundred years ago from Waterdeep, actually. I mean, he turned out to be a real bastard, but he was very, very fun for, while it lasted. <laughs> Lady, I, I trust you've been around for a while. You've been around the block. You seem like you've seen a thing or two. I can tell you, you ain't never met nobody like me. <laughs> it's funny i think we actually did meet once so <laughs> yeah i know your human brains don't hold the memories like the elves do uh, i actually have seen you in uh in combat uh once before snowflower i mean it was impressive if i have to be truthful about it yeah i mean what you've seen me fighting some people that's uh that's not exactly an exclusive club <laughs> no no, that's that's true. That's true. What am I? I'm the last of my kind. Obviously, not elven kind. Uh, there were thirteen of us on the moon on the moonbrick plain uh, in the mage circle of uh, elves. I was a coward, and I and I fled during the war, the Great War, and and everyone else has perished. We had an old style of magic. Uh, this is not inconsistent. The things that I know how to do. All of us knew how to do bringing back the dead, regenerating flesh. These are all things that we could do. Regenerating flesh, you say? Yes. I mean, I know this is something that's going to be very interesting to you. It's been a very long time. I'm not sure I'll be able to do this for you right now, but it's something that I could I could definitely work on. I would love to just have like, I could even do with probably one finger and a thumb. <laughs> It's. I don't think that's going to happen today. Just, uh, uh, just a little grip. Just, I just need a little grip. I bet you could get one of the one of the carpenters to make you a hook. <laughs> so what am I? That's that's what I am. That's what I am. I didn't learn from books. I I, I learned from I learned from my mother. And and as we all did, the mothers had the magic. Are your powers innate or mostly? Sc- schooled or some well some combination of training certainly had to learn how to how to use these things but uh when when one is brought up in a mage circle um who's to say i never had children of my own so i don't know you've never tried to teach anyone Uh, the moonbrook elves are gone (laughs) why would i teach another well it's it's interesting that you say that and i i hope this does not turn our conversation sour but have you ever heard of a sill Moonbrook. The jumper? Yes. Yes. She's not a Moonbrook elf. Madamba and his rabble named her that to give her some kind of fearsome power. They, they, they want they want they want to be they want to be feared. They're misjudging. Humans don't have a very good memory. So using the name like Moonbrook in that way, it's it 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 doesn't create fear in her enemies. And their enemies. I, I think humans have a very good memory. I'm starting to think maybe we've met before, in fact. <laughs> yes, we have. We, we have. I've seen you fight. Um, Steel trap. Oh, this is very sad. <laughs> this is very sad. <laughs> 
So you say you you said Syl is not a Moonbrook elf. Do you do you know what what she is? What's wrong with her? It's, I mean, as far as I know, nothing is wrong with her. She's doing exactly as she is supposed to be doing. But but this power of hers is is quite unique. Where where does it come from? When the Mage Circle used to maintain a a small highway of of teleportation circles, the ones who operated them sometimes would have these abilities. Years and years and years of proximity to teleportation magic can rub off on someone. I will grant you that it seems, at least from the stories of the minstrel, uh, I won't sing you another song, but it, 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 seems, it seems as though she might be much more touched by this than others that I've seen. I know we spoke little of Ehi before with these spectral towers. Yes. You said this happened many years ago and that we had to, or that his children were returned to him to appease him. Does that seem like a, an accomplishment that can be handled by a small group of beings? I'm assuming, I'm feeling something coming from you, Half-Elf, and I'm assuming that you have handled Charnel Blade before. I've not heard it called that, but I believe so. I'm not sure you understand exactly how these things are made, but the Moonbrook Elves were famous for their magic weapons. I'm not quite proud of this, but I participated in in the creation of several of these weapons. They are soul eaters. We use the power of Ehi to trap souls in these charnel blades on the sacrificial tables that are littered across this valley. When a soul takes over one of these charnel blades, gains enough power, they can leave them. Powerful enough being can summon the underwater god Ihai Uhyon. And I think that that is what has happened here. So one of the blades that you've created has in fact grown so powerful it has summoned Ihai Uhyon. This is what happened last time we saw these tentacles sprout up from the towers. But to what end? If they can escape the blade when they grow powerful enough, why not just leave? Why, why beckon to to Ehi. They are children of Ehi now. That's the thing we didn't understand when we were making them. We thought we could control this power, but it turns out we were only collecting souls for a forgotten god. So they are somehow bound to him or it and she. she. So they are bound to her and they bring her back when they grow powerful enough. She requests they return to her. That's what happened before. What happened before is the humans from Monterre came down from their mountain, released the souls on a charnel blade, and Ehi wiped out my people. Is there an easier and perhaps safer way to release the souls to Ehi than to go through a ritual that nearly destroys us and, as far as we know, the very valley in which we live? Oh, Ehi wouldn't destroy this valley. Just the residents of it? This is her. This is her place. This is, this is where she wishes to reign high. You know that the valley, the Breen Valley, was actually all underwater at one point. All of it? All of it. What we now call Robert's Gift was once the plateau of Moonbrook, and that was the only thing above water except the Red Cloud Mountains in this whole region. Dams were built, the water was siphoned, Ehi retreated, and now all that's left is this lake. My thinking is that Ehi wants to drown the valley and take her place once again. Can you tell us what happened? You, you said last time Ehi came. What, hap- what happened then? We have not been flooded. No, the flood didn't happen. I blame Ehi. Last time, the humans and the dwarves 
and the halflings conspired against us. When the souls were released, every member of their army somehow held in their hands weapons of power and struck us down. And every time we used our charneled blades, took another soul, it was sent straight to Ehi, and another, another powerful weapon was created for our enemies. May I ask, the souls that appeared, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, the blade that was my patron was grasping for power, as it were, trying to escape. Uh, and in the process, uh, the ritual that we cast, we created a tree in the space of a tower, which is now surrounded by spirits that were apparently within the blade, captured, as it were. Do we need, how do we know if we need to fear this, this spirit from within the blade further? So you're saying the blade freed itself? Yes, there was a ritual performed on a sacrificial table, some herbs were eaten, and, and a, a final soul was claimed that apparently went into battle, the soul that was within the blade. Perisso incompetent was what it was called. Uh, you see you see her suck in. She's, I, I take the opportunity to steal some of her bacon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hot. Success. While she's distracted. Who 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 called who called who called him? Pariso and Capitan. That is how he introduced himself to me. She she takes a second and reaches her hand into Abel's stew, and uh, and his Abel's stew begins to boil uncontrollably. <laughs> and she pulls. pulls oh, it. we're go- we're gonna have a real will they won't they thing going, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> she 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 pulls a piece of bacon out and like looks him in the eye and bites down on it. And she says, I executed a man, made him into a charneled blade, and and added him to a charneled blade hundreds of years ago. And his crime was lazy incompetence. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, you uh, can get executed for that? The Moonbrook elves, the nobility were, it doesn't matter what the stories say. We were not a kind and forgiving people. If I got executed every time I was lazy or incompetent. He, he was a financier of some local nobility. Some grain and gold went missing from the stores of the noble family. He claimed that they had never been there and he wasn't tending the books as closely as he should have been. And was just, when a new financier came in and said, there's lots of things missing, he said, there's no crime in being lazy or incompetent. Take my job, but don't take my life. And instead, we took his life. Did he speak with a strange accent that one might describe as cartoonish? (laughs) He did not. But I can tell you the charneling process. (laughs) (laughs) Could sometimes change a man's voice. (laughs) And his accent. (laughs) He was a Gilbrain elf all the way. Well, I think he learned his lesson, although it took hundreds of years. And he became less lazy and tried to free himself. And now I think he is in a battle with a paladin from the Adaran army for control of the blade, or perhaps something else is to be gained from that combat. But... I was hoping you would be able to tell us if if the battle might still be raging or if everything has been decided or if there is some outward way to tell. Well, I suppose we could go see. 
um, it's an it's a it's a plane of existence after all. If we just know which plane of existence it is, we can we can go there. It's beyond my abilities, but you know someone <laughs> who you know someone who can do that. So Sil Moon Sil Moonbrook, if the stories are true, she is not bound to this plane. Interesting. It, the trick for a jumper, as far as I understand, is knowing what to name a plane, a place, and a time. That's 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 the trick. It's much like summoning a demon. You know about that wizard, don't you? I've I've read read some things. It, oh, it, the, su- the names summoning- of planes stay mainly in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> summoning a demon is tricky business unless you know its name. But but here's but here's the trick of demons. And here's the trick of planes. You aren't actually summoning the demon and you aren't actually traveling to the plane in the way you might travel to Lakeshire or Montaire. You convince the world that the plane where you are is the plane where he is. You bend the universe, not yourself. Does that make sense? No. (laughs) But then what does these days? In some strange way, I think I understand. You must. If you've been connected to a charnel blade, you've been straddling two planes this whole time. So it might explain how I was able to make weapons disappear and reappear. Hmm. Connection with another plane where they go. Maybe you could make your friend here a weapon and make him go. I could make a weapon, and I do. Uh, and then I hand it to him. Or offer it to him. I I sort of poke at it with my nub. Sorry, can't help you. <laughs> really, really could use that thumb. Paired Hell, when you discover how to not just make inanimate objects go to the plane, maybe you will figure out how to go visit your, you said your patron. You said. Well, that's, that was. There was a pact of sorts, uh, a bond, perhaps. He must have become very—he must have become very powerful if he could make someone of your your connection to the weave subservient to him. Their relationship is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> she she flicks another piece of bacon into your stew, and it boils over again. <laughs> Truth be told, I'm not sure I knew of any com- connection to the weave before. He appeared, so perhaps he brought it out of me. Perhaps there was some good come from him. After all, after all the death and destruction he has wrought through my own arms. I do not know. I Perhaps you could look at this staff that came from the tree that came from that ritual, and it had a strange connection to the spirits there. I was able to absorb one and then speak to it and hear from its life prior to its death, but only for a short while. Is this from the same making or is this something new and i'll show her the quarterstaff yeah so she sort of flips it over in her hands and sort of says "Ah, nice nice balance she touches the ground and then she touches she sort of waves it around in the air this is very common uh certain it is (laughs) well (laughs) certain magical items that are intended for one user will appear different for that user, for that holder, that owner. And so she steps back and she let's all gather around in this area. Let me show you what I what I mean. Takes out of her bag a sort of red, it looks like almost like a piece of chalk, but she starts to draw on the stone ground of the 
windmill and you can see that it sort of becomes blood as it goes on the ground. She draws a circle and she starts to draw elven symbols uh, in the circle. And she says, I'm not used to making something this large here. Everyone sit down, sit down here. You guys going to sit down with her? Yeah. 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 Probably a little ways back from whichever's downhill, maybe sit on the uphill side in case the blood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, she says, wait, wait, wait. Um, Half elf. Would you open your oven, please? Okay. Run over and open the oven. I'd love that the, the table, I, like in my head, I just think it'd be really funny if the table just like vanishes and then all the food just comes crashing to the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. That is 100% what happens as soon as she begins concentrating on this other thing. <laughs> and, just like and, scares uh, the shit out of all of us. Like, what? Like, oh, oh, go, yeah. go, go. Oh, and 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 she, uh, she 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 says a short incantation that none none of you understand. It sounds uh, it's um, anyone speak Sylvan just no. before I do it. Nope, nope, nope. So so she's. And uh, she says, "Okay, um, uh, whatever you see now can't hurt you." She she looks at each each of you and she points to you, Jonas. She says, "She says, what dead man would you like to speak with?" My father. Okay, uh, hold him in your mind. She forms a ball of fire in her right hand, and she says, "Half elf, be ready with a quarterstaff." And she shoves her flaming hand on Jonas's face. Uh, John, could you give me a deck save? Crap! Walk me into something else. There we go. Yeah. And we're not done with this long rest yet either, right? So, right? No, not yet. <laughs> Six. Yeah. She touches. She touches his face. Uh, Filnir, you see a dark-skinned man, fully formed, fully fleshed, standing on the outside of the circle that she's drawn on the ground. Okay. And he is. He says, "Jonas, Jonas, Jonas, it's me." No, you don't hear it, John. Oh, <laughs> Jonas. I am. Jonas. Do you not see your Why father? Why are you working with this witch? Ionis, do you not see your father? You're standing right there. I don't see anything. Do I? Am I hurt? Am I? What's, is anything wrong with me? Hellspeth, uh, what? No, she she still has the flaming hand on her on your face. It hurts. <laughs> Hellspeth, can he see him? Can Ionis see his father? I I can't I, I can't see him either. Perhaps try try your staff. Uh, okay, so I'll take the staff and sort of tap him from the side not like in an aggressive swing but just to touch him so you guys see filnir reach the staff outside of this circle and both abel and jonas you now see this tall dark-skinned gray-haired man standing where 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 filnir had been (laughs) the mouth opens and says "Oh, oh goodness gracious that feels very strange uh, Jonas, my boy, Jonas, Ionis. Ionis, <laughs> <laughs> Ionis, right. my boy. <laughs> Father. And and so she takes uh, the, her hand off of you. Uh, all of his facial hair, including his uh, eyebrows, eyelashes have burned off. <laughs> um, so he's like completely like he's not his his face doesn't look like it's burned. It's just that the, the hair has all been burned off. Ionis, what, 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 what on earth is going on here? 
some kind of hedge witch. I told you not to get involved with this magic sort of thing. Fool's errand. You all, that is besides the point. What has happened to you, father? What has happened to me? What has happened to you? you Where on earth are we? we? You have died. You have died? I, you what? have died? You you died in my mind when you went to that, that, that wizard down south? Father, you are always writing on me about this. I'm sick of it. Listen to me. I am my own man. I can make my own decisions. I decided that there was a better way in Montaire. You led an army to the Breen to take it over. To once and for all kill the Ferroni humans. As a warlord? What, what, this is not how we've... This is not how we do things. What, what were you thinking? This was our land, boy. This is what I was trying to save you save you from. But you didn't save me. Where's Erlington? Where's Erlington? You didn't save me, did you? I am here. Erlington shoved me into some portal, and I lost two years, and I... As ordered? Well, I've resurfaced, and you're gone, and I had no answers, so I had to find them for myself. Where's your mother? I do not know. That that whore of an Adarin. Where is she? Are you speaking... You're speaking of my mother that way. Do you know she lays with Erlington regularly and sometimes for many minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was astonished to find out about Schnobik. Yes. This is new information to me. Tell me more. Every noble woman has the right to take a lover, but she has no right to wave it around in my face. Wave what around in your face, specifically? With my own manservant? Well, <laughs> I, I, I decided years ago that bodily carnal pleasure was not for me. She was well within <laughs> no, her never rights. Never mind. I take it back. Jonas doesn't need to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> she... I'm sorry. I, I, got, I, I got away from myself. I'm just, fr- Back I'm just to you. frowning, Back and to I'm just you. shaking my head. I just don't understand why why she would be with a with a with a light skinned human. Take take a dwarf like all the other noble ladies of Montaire. I don't understand. All right, can I counterspell this or something? Fill there, please. This is it's your father, Jonas. You can you can ask him anything you want. You may never get this chance again. Father, son, what was your desire for Montaire? You wanted to take the Breen, you wanted to take back Adair, you wanted to take Hawk City. Before my time, the only human power in this whole island was Montaire. And what happened? The elves brought in all the humans from Farron, a bunch of misfit mercenaries who set up these, these imposter cities on the east and west of our island. And we've been forced to give them land, little by little, destroying our power. You and your offspring deserve better than that. Gilbrain is for the Monterans. Father, this is a beautiful valley. It, it should be shared. Well, let's share it, but let's not share it with the mercenary humans. Let's kick them off of our island. So you, you meant to, to live and coexist with the elves and the halflings and the dwarves? Yes. Even though you say the elves turned against you and brought the humans in? 300 years ago. Elves have long memories. They will remember that we routed them. They'll be in hand. How's that working out for you? And, and Filner, you hear all of this, but it's like you're floating over top of this uh, of this scene. Like you see it and you're in it 
but you're not in it. And you're looking down and you, you see these two, your two compatriots are speaking to you, your body, you see your body. Okay. And, uh, and they're speaking to you, but your mouth is moving and it's not your voice that is coming out. Right. Okay. Father, I have always held you in high regard. I um, As you should. I do not. You are my son. You're the Prince of Montaire. I do not like the things that I've learned of late. But for our family, I will do everything in my power to bring Montaire back to its former glory. Can you please tell me who killed you? I can. He was in my own army. A rapscallion. Your mother's cousin, Gustave Demerode. Cousin Gustav killed? Why? I have no idea. I'm beginning to think no one dreams of Monterran glory anymore. It's nice to hear that you will follow your father's mission. I am going to cleanse the thought of Monterre. I'm going to... I'm going to recreate us. We were going down a terrible path. I could see that even before all of this happened. That's why I went to study the arcane. That's why I went and left the mountain city in order to see the world, see what else we might be able to offer our people. Our name is Tainted, Father. I'm going to cleanse it. Take out the taint. Dispel it, Phil. Dispel it. <laughs> Dispel magic. Counter spell. I think, I think you should be looking at Hellsmith because... Yeah. As far as Hell you know, Smith, I'm not there anymore, me. right? I am finished. I am finished talking to this man. Uh, uh, and and Housebeth says, Filnir, if you're if you're there, you, you pull your staff away from the ghost." All right, and I will try to do that as best I can. All right, give me give me a give me a straight charisma check. All right, DC thirteen on this one seven. Okay, so your father is like blinking in and out, and he just keeps saying, "Pull out the taint, pull out the taint, pull out the taint, 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 the taint again, again, the taint, again, it's the taint, it's the taint. Try it again, please. Taint. Can I try it again? Taint. Try it again. Taint. Taint. Twenty. Taint. Taint. And it's back to Filner and 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 Filner. Taint. Uh, Taint. Until they, thank Taint. you. Um uh so, so what you or you ah. for the next day, for the next day, um anytime you roll a seven on a D twenty for anything, you have to use the word taint. <laughs> 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 he turns back on Filner, I'm like, oh, oh Tom's teeth, that was horrible. Oh, Jonas, you. you think that was really your father? As I, I think it taint. <laughs> <laughs> I leave. <laughs> so you're gonna leave the magic circle? I, c- I come back. I'm not gonna leave. Yeah, the magic don't circle. don't leave. I'm not gonna leave, leave the magic it. circle. Don't leave it. <laughs> she looks around and says. So it is a very powerful item, Filnir, but you ought to be very careful. Does it require a magic circle? I wasn't sure whether or not we'd be protected from the ghosts. So the magic circle was for protection? For protection of all of us. And the rest of it was just the staff and me. 
Yes. So. I, I, I believe this gives you the ability to speak to the dead. And I believe, I believe, sorry. To, to allow others to speak to the dead. Well, it allows you to become the dead. It allows others to speak to the dead through you. I see. This may be very useful. This may be quite terrifying. I can guarantee it will be both. One thing I can tell you is you should not take a life with this quarterstaff. I had not planned to, but... And she looks over at you, Abel, and says, And you do not kill with that shield. And you, wizard... Yeah, waved around. Yeah, but this is fine, yes? <laughs> she, she, you pull out the wand. You show her the wand. Yeah, I show her the wand. May, may, may I show her your wand, Jonas? And to her reluctantly. So she takes it in her hand. She like sort of smells it, and then she breaks it in half. Ah, damn it! She puts it on the ground, and she says, "With your fire, not mine. With your fire, not mine. Burn the stick. With your fire, not mine." Burn, but but why? I will show you why. All right. Uh, I mean, it's already destroyed, uh, so I just firebolt it, or or I guess press the digitation. It just catches fire. Uh, it's not going to work. Okay. Firebolt. Firebolt. Okay. Uh, don't 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 need to roll. When it hits, the two pieces sort of melt a little bit at the ends, and she says, "With your hands, push them back together." Okay. Uh, I push them back together. It is perfect again, and. And she says, I can do one of two things with this. First, you should not kill with this either. I can also make this into something of a ward. A, a ward? I can bind you to another. I back away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can make it so that, and she looks over at Abel and she says, I can make it so that you bind yourself to this warrior and you can share in his pain and you can share in his grief, but you can offer your blood to protect his blood. So if he if he happens to be hurt, I give of my life to heal him. That sounds uh, very metaphorical. How does it work, say, mathematically? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps he takes a hit and you feel the blow. Yes, it's like the half-elf say. So we're, we become Corsican twins. Mm, it's more like becoming Detroit twins. <laughs> <laughs> Detroited, Detroited, Detroited twins. I suppose that's better than the Minnesota twins. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, it it will offer him some level of protection against all all damage, but you will share in the damage. Does it work two ways? It does not. So he's resistant, but I am not. Sounds like a great deal for you, Jonas. I don't know why you wouldn't jump on this while you have the chance. Can I just can I just have that back? Can I just have that back? And yeah, I just kind of grab for it take and your, take it back. Take your one. I sure. take it back. Yeah. yeah. I think Yeah. She's she says, No matter what, do not kill with these weapons. Well, why would they appear to us as weapons if we weren't meant to kill with them? One hundred and seventy five thousand Moonbrook elves dead at the hands of such weapons. That they themselves were wielding. That's a very good argument. So you're saying if we take a life with this, with these weapons, they will take our lives? I'm saying it will grow the army even larger of whatever it is that we are about to face in this valley. 
So these are soul eaters as well? I believe they are. We were right not to have Hank take the leaf. Yes, we were. Should we... Should we... Quick, we've got to kill Hank so he doesn't come back for the leaf. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> should we should we hide these? Would be would it be better if we stored these somewhere out of sight? Well, I've offered to make you something better by allowing a bit of your soul to occupy this, but otherwise I would not I would not strike one with these. Defensively, maybe quite powerful. I I have two very important questions. How do we keep Ehi from flooding this valley again? And what's your other question? I don't really need the finger. Can I just get a thumb? <laughs> <laughs> the fighting must cease. In this valley, the fighting must cease. I fear that the underdark creatures are laying waste to Lakeshire, even as we speak. Perhaps they should be defeated, but I would try to form accords with Adair and Hark and Monter, at least until Ehi goes back into the deep. So we must join their forces and somehow convince them not to battle each other and the gith. The gith are dirty animals. Well, guys, that sounds easy enough. We could certainly knock that out in a few days. Certainly appreciate your wit, Abel. <laughs> I have two questions. Okay. The, the gith, you say they come from... The Underdark? Not just the Underdark. The Waterdavian Underdark. If we are taking the fight to them, we have to march on Waterdeep? I would not do that. How do we find them? I would destroy every single teleportation circle in this on this island. That is how they are arriving. Mm. All right. Um, Cut off the source. Okay. Uh, we may be able to do that. Um, do you know... Of Bezleth Luatil. I do. If you say you are Bezleth Luatil, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I am not Bezleth Luatil. She was my greatest student. Oh, man. Your student? Why can't well, we ever fight poor students? <laughs> she was... She was... She was uh, not my daughter, but she was the daughter of one of the Mage Circle uh, elves. And she decided to seek out forever life. Elves already live a very long time, as I'm sure you were aware. And she thought that she could conquer it. She's a vampire now. Uh, all right, because I heard that she was not a vampire. Last time I saw her, 135 years ago, she was a vampire. And I will tell you, she aims to take back all of Gilbrain for the elves. Is, is she a drow? She is a drow, but she is not like the other drow. She was not born in the Underdark. She was born in Moonbrook. So she's half drow. She's converted somehow. She is a follower of Ehi. Would you consider her a friend or a foe at this point in our in our quest to calm Ehi? She will help calm Ehi by laying waste to the Gith threat. Well, that would serve our purposes for now. And then she will likely flood the valley. Why would she build a giant well into the Underdark? Why would you call it a well? Is she building something? Well, it's a big hole in the ground lined with stones. She might be trying to take over the Underdark. Well, how would that help? Especially if it's going to be underwater. Wait a second, maybe I answered my own question. My guess is she believes that when Ehi has what she wants, that she will elevate Bezleth to Queen of Gilbrain. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, if only gods were so transactional. I'm with you. I'm not even sure what a god is, much less what they would trade if they could trade. 
but you would consider Ehi to be a god, not an imposter. Ehi is the god of this island. Like it or not. I don't. I've decided. (laughs) I've given it a lot of thought. I've weighed the pros and cons. I've decided I don't like it. Well, my circle's about to break, and so is my attention. Gentlemen, half-elf, this was a delicious dinner. I will be in the the tavern. I will be staying here for four more days, and then I am going to Adair City. What are you going to do there? I'm going to look for one of my relatives. If I were you, I would begin figuring out who has the power to cease fire. Very well. Is there anything you can do to help Abel with his hand in that time? I would like to help Abel by keeping him alive. And this one, this wizard here, has it within his power to help him. With the guilt. Uh, just do it. <laughs> and handle the wand back. Wait a second now. I don't want to be responsible for getting the King of Montaire killed. Then don't get me killed. <laughs> okay. So you're going to do this? <laughs> John is shaking his head for John everybody listening. Not liking this. <laughs> Nobody seems to be liking this. I think it's a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> You've never even been hit before in this whole damn game. That's not true. The gift took half my hit points <laughs> last episode. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Shimony crickets. That's true. And wasn't the last roll not a good one for HP? So, Yeah, terrible it's roll. True. It's true. He's the fragile one. Yeah, I'm sticky. Get on the hood, I... blood bag. <laughs> this, is, this is usually the deal that goes the other way, right? Like the paladin. Yeah, even gets even the, if uh... I'm like oh, out of the fight, I'm in the fight. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's like, like, is there a distance thing that they have to be close enough? Or is Come on, like, man, don't you want to feel my plane? blows? Anyway. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> no, nobody gets blows like me. If there's one thing ah. I'm good at, it's receiving blows. And how does it work if Abel dies of old age? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. He's old. <laughs> He's old, man. God. Even, oh, Jesus God. Christ. Jesus. <laughs> and even if, even if I polymorph him, I'm still getting hit. I, I don't know. I, I can't you won't it. have concentration checks for taking this damage. Hey, what does this have to do with my hand? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You'll need to find someone who can cast a regeneration spell on you. Am I talking to someone like that right now? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe when I get back from Adair. I I have a question. I have have one other very important question before you leave. Okay. What would you see done? And should we see you again? Will we find ourselves at cross purposes? I have never liked the humans of Montaire. (laughs) You and me both, lady. No offense, still having. Mm. Um, I think that they are a plague to this soil. I think that they ignore the needs of the people until they need something, and then they demand things from the people. But maybe they're desperate now, and maybe they're willing to change. The humans in Hark and Dare aim to root out all of the original inhabitants of this island. They may not even know that that's what they're doing, but that's their goals. As an elf, whose people have already been killed off, and I don't believe Bezalith can bring us back to any kind of glory of any sort. As an elf, I hope the Monterans win. I hope the Monterans can kick the humans out. I hope they can save us from the gith. As a person, I don't really care. I'm old. Boy, that's the first thing you've said tonight that I felt I could really relate to. <laughs> Despite would you like a would you like a blood bond or not? I'm tired. I am going to think about it. You go ahead and get some sleep. Okay. All right. So she she 
takes the blood and she waves her hand over the circle and it sets on fire and the blood all burns off. She leaves your windmill and she leaves you all thinking about what you've just seen, what you just heard, and thus ends episode <laughs> 29 of Every War Must End, the Dungeon Dads podcast. Lots to mull over. Ooh, lots. Lots. We're going to have a lot crazy. to talk about on that bonus episode, aren't we? And we still yeah. haven't finished a long rest. I guess we <laughs> oh, you guys get a re- you I guess, guess we I'm assuming it you, get, yeah, you, you finish it now. So we all yeah, go to bed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. Listen, uh, we're about to head over to the, uh, the bonus episode, which will be coming out uh, in a week on Patreon. Come on back. Five, five subscribes, everybody. Five